Hi, I'm Dan Boyd. I'm Kimmy Zeiler. St. Ignatius of Loyola said, Out of gratitude and love for him, Jesus Christ, we should desire to be reckoned fools. We're seeking to discover Christ in everything, from the banal to the sublime, and this is Fools, fools for, for Christ. Christ. Hello, hope you're doing well. We are back, and today we're talking about... Adoption. Adoption! And we decided to talk about this because my wife and I recently adopted a little baby girl. I'm so excited. She's Thanks. beautiful. She is, yeah. Um, so we had the good fortune um, recently of being matched with a birth mother who she saw her profile and said, you know what, I think that'd be a great home for the baby that's inside of me. And then when she was born... My wife and I got to go pick her up, um, and it has been uh, just a time of so much joy since then. Um, I really can't even uh, put words to it all, but I, I did not know and, and could not have expected how much I would love being a father um, <laughs> in this sense. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful time. Mm. Uh, so yeah, that's what our show is about today. <laughs> but how are you doing overall, Kimmy? I'm doing really well. Uh... Um, I'm just really enjoying life right now. And Good. That's wonderful. Yeah. And like, I love it when you're, when you're really enjoying life and you don't really need like an excuse or an expl explanation for it. You're like, yeah, no, I just love being alive right now. That's it's yeah, it's I'm not even <laughs> It's not even like big things that are going on. It's just the day to day is really good. And I'm, I've entered into a spirit of really enjoying that and loving that being joyful and I'm so thankful for that because it's been a while um, since I was really able to enter into that. That's good. Yeah. We should, maybe in the future we can do a show on uh, just maintaining and, uh, and cultivating a spirit of joy going throughout our daily life. Oh, it'll be a stretch for me. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, <laughs> I mean, it's recently learned, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'm sure we can find other people who've blazed the trail before us. Even and we can if learn from there. them. Yeah. 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 You, we don't always have to be where we are or be where uh, in that, that spot we're talking about. Yeah. Um, like yeah. We can talk about being saints even though we're not there That's yet. true. It's true. Um, so we're talking about the story of Dan's adoption and also... Um, the idea of spiritual adoption as well, and what that means for us in our relationship with God. Yeah, which so. is really um, kind of even. I remember telling a priest friend of mine years ago that my wife and I were considering adoption, and his first response was, "We are all adopted children of God," mm -hmm. um, and that really encouraged me and reminded me that I don't, I didn't need to be afraid of that the type of relationship I would have with any adopted children, um, because it was ultimately uh, that's. That's our ultimate reality with our relationship with God. I mean, we're his children, and uh, we'll, we'll get into that later in the show. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, so first, let's talk about this process. What's What happened? What led up to you and uh, Regina deciding um, to pursue adoption? What was the process like? I have millions of questions, Dan. Yeah, so we've been, uh, we've been married for almost eight years now, mm -hmm. and um, the whole time we're unable to have children, mm -hmm. and... Uh, early on, that was that was a, a much harder cross to bear. Yeah. Um, and I know uh, anybody who's gone through that, even if they have children later on, remember very clearly the pain and the sadness of not having children. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, I, I think 
there's a temptation to clench your fist at God and say, mm-hmm. you know, why me? You have the power to change this and you're not. Mm-hmm. Just like we do with any, uh, any event of human suffering. Um, and so it took a while to learn and accept, like, this is God's plan for my life. Um, but, but so recently I would say, like, as many or as, as long ago as probably four years ago, I was able to, to look at my life and where God had brought me and say, thanks be to God that he has asked me to make the sacrifice of not having children. Um, and blessed be his holy name for what that has allowed me to do in terms of serving him and being present to other people, especially working in a school. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably would not have continued working in education had I had children immediately in my marriage. I would have, I think I would have found um, another career uh, because it was at, in the beginning, it was so hard and so challenging um, just to do all the lesson planning and grading. And it, the two of them combined would have exhausted me. Yeah. Um, and so I think that was, it was a, I can honestly say not having children for that long was a gift. And as desperately as we wanted children, um, I learned to see that that was a great gift from the Lord. And now I look back on that time and I'm so grateful for what he allowed me to do. Um, but when we, uh, when we did decide, okay, we, uh, we realized that this was what the Lord was, uh, was calling us to do and asking us to move forward. Um, it was actually a, there's a lot of paperwork, um, because, when someone gives you a child that, you know, they, they want to make sure you're the kind of person who is going to take care of this, this little baby and is not adopting for the wrong reasons. Uh, whether that would be like almost kind of more self-centered reasons or nefarious purposes. Um, so we went through a home study where a social worker comes, checks out our house and interviews mm-hmm. us, makes sure, okay, you know, do you have like shards of glass lying around? No. Okay, good. Your house is safe. Okay, wait, was this like super nerve wracking? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because like, someone's coming in and like looking at the home that you've created Yeah. and evaluating it. And they have like the, literally, they have the power to determine whether or not you can adopt. Um, and if they say no, I mean, you can always get another, a second opinion, but, oh, yeah. uh, like you can't get the money back. It's, it's expensive to pay mm. the person to come and do that. Um, and they may well say like, no, I'm, I'm not approving you. Uh, mm. And so, you know, you're cleaning for like a month and you never, you never <laughs> dust your baseboards or any of that kind of stuff. But maybe some people do. I don't. Uh, but, I mean, you do all that kind of thing. Like, yeah. you, you start looking around like, should I resod the yard and make sure that, you know, I have a really nice landscaping and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, luckily, everything went well. She was, the, the social worker was awesome. She was really easy, easy to work with. Um, and... Um, once that was all done, so that we started the process over the summer mm-hmm. and once that was all done, it was actually the end of July, beginning of August. And so we made a, a little photo book. We went on one of the websites where you can put together a book and basically telling a story of what life would be like in the family of Regina and Dan. What uh, was that experience like? That was actually very, uh, it was fun. It was hard. Yeah. Um, I would also like liken it to online dating, um, not in a fun way, and that you are... Interesting. Um, there's a temptation there to, to perhaps maybe over-represent or oversell mm-hmm. uh, and to not to not really give your honest and true self. And so it actually it allows for some really good introspection of what's the, what is it that you want someone to most know about you? Because you don't have infinite space. Right. Um, you don't want someone to get bored, so you can't write an essay and put it at the beginning of a book. Um, <laughs> But yet you have to have captions around your photos that, that in a pithy way say, 
like this is who we are and this is and I even I recognized it's not my job to convince this person to give me their baby. It's my job to to show this person what life would be like if she chooses. Mm-hmm. And that she, I wanted her to be very free. Um, and I didn't want to manipulate her. And so um, we just very honestly presented who we th- how we view ourselves, how we view life with us, mm-hmm. and hoped that that would be enough. Um, and um, so we made those books, and then we sent them out to different agencies. Okay. And... Um, they actually, they asked us a whole bunch of stuff. So you work with multiple agencies. We did. Yeah. You don't, not just one. Yeah. You can work with just one, but, um, we actually, um, we decided what we'd say is because we were pretty flexible about the babies we were open to. Um, sometimes people have for, you know, for various reasons that are, uh, that are their own. Um, they have slightly more refined, uh, characteristics of the children they would like to adopt. Um, and so they, mm. it can take a longer time. Like I think the average time for adoption is two years. Okay. And Regina and I got matched oh, in a month. Um, <laughs> it was because we were we were so open. Yeah. Uh, which is in part due to our own uh, racial background of our, of our family and that mm. we're a biracial couple. Um, and so we we're open to biracial children, really children of any color. And so that that lets an agency know um, this this couple is going to be easy to work with. Um, and so we told them, like, we'll pay your full fee, but we're going to pay it after the fact. Like, we're not going to pay you a fee up front just to get on your waiting list. Um, because, like, we're not the kind of couple who's going to be on your waiting list for two years. Like, we might be on your waiting list for a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why we, we went with multiple agencies. Okay. Um, and that's in the future when, uh, if God calls us to do this again, we'll do the same thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, like I said, it was, it was about a month. So we got a phone call on a Saturday saying, Hey, next Saturday, this little girl's expected to be born or sometime Mm. before then she's yours. Uh, and so we had, you know, we had a, this, uh, a whole, we had nine months of emotion that we had to pack into 30 minutes there on on that phone call. Um, you know, everything that a couple would go through with expecting, we went through just like that. Um, which was really wonderful because we didn't have, we didn't have nine months of anxiety. <laughs> um, you know, we had, we had, it ended up being five days. So five days. Did so. you find yourself going through like the whole, that whole process and giving time for the like, oh my goodness, this is happening. And then the, like, yeah, the waiting to get stuff together. Yeah. Absolutely. Wait, I need to clean. Wait, yeah. I need, you know. Right. Yeah. Cause I mean, you like, you think all sorts, and it just so happened there was a hurricane coming at the same time. <laughs> and so there's all sorts of, of things going on in your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say as, as many times as there were perhaps an opportunity to be stressed about stuff, mm-hmm. um, I was able to turn to my relationship with God and just use it as an opportunity of uh, really thanking him for his goodness and his fidelity. And um, it was a prayer that he was answering that I wasn't necessarily saying at that point in time because I was very happy with where the Lord has me in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't discontent. Um, and so this was just another gift. Uh, and mm-hmm. so it was, uh, it was a time for a lot of thanksgiving and reflection on the goodness of God. And that, mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, not that I was, we were the age of Zechariah and Elizabeth or Abraham and Sarai. Um, but I could, I could see in embryo a little bit of their own longing and, and perhaps pain and suffering. And then finally that, that resolution of having a child. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, you know, now I, 
not that I'm a, a wizened old veteran, but I've got uh, the eight years of marriage without children, and now this, this two weeks or so of marriage with children, mm-hmm. um, and just being very, very grateful for her. Um, well, it's not it's not two weeks at this point. Time's disappearing. Um, <laughs> but, um, and so this was the the whole thing is really reinforced in my mind. Um, we have a good father who provides what we need. Mm. Um, and he does not hold back the best. He gives us the best. Um, and had he answered my prayers early in life, I mean, even like, is there any prayer more sincere and more earnest than a prayer for children? Mm. Um, you know, perhaps not. Um, and yet it was, oh, go ahead. There's a song that you, you saying that just reminded me of, and it's, when she sings it, she says, you don't give yourself in pieces. Yeah. Oh, wow. Who's, is that about God? It's about God. Okay. Yeah. Um, and she's singing to God and she's like claiming that, like, you don't give yourself in pieces. Yeah. You give me your, the fullness. Yeah. And, um, had he answered that prayer of mine earlier, then I wouldn't know the joy I know now of having my daughter mm-hmm. or any of those other life experiences that having children would have, would have steered me away from, which would have been fine if that was the Lord's will, but this was his will. And thanks be to God that it was. Um, and so, you know, that there was definitely, there, there were times I, I yearned for children and longed for children and cried that I didn't have them. Um, but now in hindsight, I mean, it, it seems like just a, a, a distant memory and that uh, any memory of that pain is quickly evaporating, especially when I hold this, this sweet little girl and just um, think about how good God is and how happy I am. That, that I'm her dad, um, you know, that, that still, it's like, it gives me goosebumps when I get to say I'm her dad because it's very new for me, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't, uh, so. I have a question for you. Sure. Um, I have so many friends who have, um, either currently they're married and they, um, are unable to have kids or I have, I also have friends who are not yet married right. who know, already know yeah. that they're infertile. Um, and so it's a very true reality. Yeah. Um, and already in that, um, that morning mm-hmm. over that, what would you have to say to someone who is in the midst of that? Um, that's a, you know, it's a, it's a tough question. Um, maybe we can save that for the end too. Yeah. Um. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll, I'll think about it through the show, and then we'll we can come back to it at the end. I guess just initially, um, think of um, at the end of the day, it's I mean, it, it's a sacrifice. The Lord's asking for a sacrifice, and that's a really, really hard thing um, to accept. And maybe uh, I think one of the things that comforted me was just the the remembrance that the father lost his own child. Um, and that he had his own loss and the blessed mother had her own loss and Joseph had his loss and, um, that they're like in those moments when the, the son of God was in the tomb, they experienced childlessness, um, at least in some way. And we can, uh, we can know that even in those, those times of the deepest, darkest pain of not having children, the father's there, the Lord is there with us in those moments. Um, and also while like wanting to be extremely reverent and uh, and delicate with those those painful feelings, um, I would invite as much as possible 
um, an openness to um, to just kind of asking the Lord, what is He doing with those moments of childlessness? You know, whether yeah. that's short term or or whether that's long term, um, and how is He like to for me to be able to go from shaking my fist at God to blessing God for not giving me children? Uh, that was a long journey, um, and it will take time. It'll take patience. It'll take prayer, but um, that. Uh, you know, everything from God is a gift and sometimes we don't often we don't see the goodness of that and it just takes patience and, and trusting in the Lord that uh, he will provide for that to come to fruition um, so pray and think about how the father and the blessed mother lost their own children Thanks, Dan. No problem. I totally threw that one on you. Yeah, it's okay. And you answered it beautifully. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And it's not, I mean, at the end of the day, the there's the very uh, stark reality that it's painful. It's very, very, for everybody mm-hmm. um, to, you know, even the couples who, who have lots of children but have lost children. Mm. Um, that is a, a deeply painful reality. Yeah. Um, and that's, but it's one, we've, we had a, an episode on this. The Father enters into our pain with us, and He does mm-hmm. not abandon us. Um, but He, the Son, became a human being so that He might be able to uh, to suffer with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and therein we find God's love. Yeah. Well, thanks for going there, Dan. No problem. I, um, I didn't want to just brush over that. Yeah. And yeah. let it. I'm um, glad you didn't. Just kind of be a comment thrown in that that was part of the journey because so many people don't talk about this because of how deep and um, how deep the emotions are that accompany this. And um, I think it's so important to know that you're not alone. Right. And and I would, I'd say if anybody uh, has questions about my own experience and would want to know more, feel free to look me up on Facebook or, or you can get in touch with me through Kimmy. Um, and my wife and I would both be happy to share our experience. Awesome. Yeah. So I shared a little bit about my adoption. So Kimmy, now it's your turn. Yeah. So, um, I was not technically adopted, although, um, I did seek it out at one point. Um, my, my mother died when I was two Mm -hmm. and, um, my dad remarried when I was four. So my stepmom was the only mom I, I really got to know. Yeah. Right. But she is not my biological mom. And I was blessed with someone who fully understands that. Um, and that, I think, was so important to my understanding of my identity and um, those wounds being healed. Yeah. And being able to address all of the, the things that I experienced being motherless um, and coming to terms with that but then to also welcome the spiritual motherhood of my stepmother and to enter into that fully and completely I have just I've never met this this woman but just like (laughs) as you speak about her now I'm just thinking like she must be a very like wise emotionally intelligent and sensitive person to have had the the foresight to to allow that relationship with you and her to be one such that like she acknowledged the reality she wasn't your biological mother and you had that like your your mother 
like you'll meet her in heaven one day, please God. Mm -hmm. Um, and to not kind of force that relationship, which I feel like it, you know, at least in TV, sometimes that's what we see, like someone forcing relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what ended up happening for me was that I desired the relationship. Mm -hmm. And so when I was in middle school, I started to look at my sister's relationship with her mom, her biological mom, yeah. my stepmom, my stepsister, my stepmom. And I wanted what they had. Okay. And I didn't have it. And so that was the, my first start of mourning my mother's death. Gotcha. Um, and so at every stage, I've had to go back and mourn my mother's death because I was so young. Yeah. I couldn't enter into that mourning. And so that's been a huge part of my conversion. And turning 30 was huge for me because my mom died when she was 30. And um, one of the things that we did a couple years back was my, my stepmom, my spiritual mom, took me on, um, I forget what she called it, a Becky weekend. Um, so my biological mom's name is Becky. Okay. And so she had my dad um, take my stepmom and I around to all the spots that he remembered going on dates with my biological mom and the beginning of their relationship and marriage and telling me stories about this is where we saw a boat show, this is where we... Uh, this is where it was, my mom was a photographer. This is where she took me one morning to get the gorgeous uh, scenery of the ocean. And um, so things like that, my spiritual mother helped me to see my relationship with my mother and helped me to develop it, helped me to recognize who I was, not by trying to make me like her, but by allowing me to be me. And what's so beautiful about spiritual motherhood is I think very often we think of spiritual motherhood as if motherhood that is only spiritual. Like motherhood that only deals with things of the spirit. Right. And not still caring for all of like the, the full human needs. Right. Um, I never thought of that. And so in reality, what spiritual motherhood and fatherhood is, is the parent choosing to be a parent rather than it being the natural order of things right so um with with your biological parents you have a natural connection mm -hmm. um a natural genetic connection <laughs> um with spiritual parents you don't and so the connection there is the parent choosing to love you the way that God chooses to love us. That is, that I think in that just one sentence there is probably the the fullest explanation of what I've ever heard. And to the to the extent that I have, I mean, I I really feel like that was what God called me to. Mm -hmm. um, working with students was mm. uh, spiritual fatherhood, and I guess I never I never like consciously said like I'm choosing to love this yeah. person <laughs> as God loves them. It was just what I like what I wanted to do because I mm -hmm. was through my own formation I knew that was how what I was called to do as a Christian um, but that's such a perfect and it like what a uh, what dignity what great dignity that that vocation has of yes. choosing to love others and, and thereby becoming a spiritual mother or a spiritual father mm -hmm. and I think that was why I mean really so going back if, if I may not to hijack what you were saying but going back to your question like what would I say to people um, about who don't have children but want them um, 
the Lord gave me this great invitation into perhaps the most dignified vocation ever, and that was loving like he loves. Mm. And he just asked me to do it in a different way. But I had the opportunity to in myriad and rich ways. And the thing I think is so important to remember here is that many biological parents refuse the call to spiritual parenthood. Yeah, sadly. And and that's why we see such broken families. Yeah. Um, and such wounds and um, horrible conditions, horrible situations. Um, but the reality is we're all called to spiritual fatherhood and motherhood in some way. Um, and how much how elevated that is when the person that you're the spiritual parent is, is an actual child that yeah. you get to raise as part of your family. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> from experience. Like the little bit of experience <laughs> I, I have, I can say that's, it's the, one of the most joyous things I've ever encountered. Yeah. Um, and that really were, perhaps this is, um, this is a lens for looking at, the work of Jesus Christ and his, his work of salvation. Like what was he doing? Mm -hmm. Um, but choosing to love us, Mm -hmm. choosing to become human, to take up his cross, to be crucified and restore us to sonship and daughtership. I mean, the, the prodigal son really takes, uh, takes us and gives us a a story of it, gives it and illustrates it, um, puts flesh on it, so to speak. Um, and that we like, we thought and still act frequently like we're only worthy of being God's slaves, and He comes and says, "No, you are worthy of being sons and daughters, and I restore you to that." Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like He's He's asking us to be signposts and reminders. Like by the way we yeah. love people, we remind them, "This is how the Father wants to love you," mm-hmm. uh, which is why it's so like the. That, that choosing to be a spiritual mother and father is so important for like for everybody especially biological parents mm-hmm. um, you know I, I'm I'm very grateful for all of the times that my father was aware that the way he modeled his love for me was how I would think about the father mm-hmm. um, my heavenly father and so my dad was very conscious of that and the times that he made mistakes he has he's apologized for mm-hmm. for that reason uh, that and in knowing that he, he hurt his children. Yeah. Uh, and so I have I have nothing but love and respect for my father because of that. It's mm. uh, beautiful. Thanks. Um, but that also ties into when we have a more of a broken relationship with our parents. Um, that affects the way that we see God. Yeah. And the it's almost like the all of those myths out there about adoption mm-hmm. are like these these little vignettes of the way we have been tricked into seeing our relationship with God. So, um, you know, there's, uh, one of the, I, I blame this wholeheartedly on, on television and media and movies and whatnot, (laughs) because they make, they take adoption, they use it as this trope for like, okay, we can always do an adoption episode or we can always do an adoption movie. Um, and they, it's like they, they caricature, it's a caricature of what it really is. You know, they, they like, there's, I mean, the, the possibility of, like, biological parents never, um, or rather the, the birth parents coming back and uh, trying to take 
legal custody of the children again. Like that just doesn't happen. Like it's um, from what I've, I've learned in my own experience of, of recently adopting, um, parents have a, there's a window of time during which they choose whether or not they're going to terminate their parental rights. Mm. And that's unless they can prove that they were under duress or, or otherwise incompetent, um, that's irrevocable. And mm-hmm. so uh, like movies turn that around and, and make it look like parent, like, a, like birth parents can come in and ruin the life of a child later on. Um, so kind of tying that back into our relationship with God, um, how often do we, do we doubt the permanence of that, that sonship, that daughtership, um, as though the prince of this world is, is somehow going to come back and claim us as his own and that we, we don't belong to the father. And that's not, hmm. that's not our real heritage and dignity. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was deep. I'm going to have to think about that later. Um, and then there's also, you know, the myths that, um, adopted kids always feel unloved. They don't know who they are. Yeah. Um, and I mean, as you can see, I, I hope you can see from my story, that's not, it doesn't have to be the case. Absolutely. No, I mean, the, just like, <laughs> the way you spoke about your, uh, your stepmother, you absolutely feel loved by her. Yeah. Um, and there's, and there's, there's the reality of, of loss in any situation. Um, but those are opportunities for, for greater love, mm-hmm. uh, which is again, like, when we choose to love as God loves, we enter into situations that are sometimes uh, not as they should be, and we can restore them and elevate them with love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's probably a, a good point to end. Yes. Um, so let's give thanks that we're all adopted children of God. Amen. All right. God bless, friends. Till next time.